Welcome to Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Onaway, Michigan. I'm Pastor Trent Wahlberg, and you're listening to Preaching and the Word. The word for this 24th Sunday after Pentecost comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be misinformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by, the, by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the and the dead in Christ will be raised first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore encourage one another with these words. On November 11th, 1947, an armistice between Germany and the Allied forces effectively ended the Great War after millions of casualties. For the first time in more than four years, all was silent on the Western Front. The gunfire had ceased and the war officially ended less than a year later when the Treaty of Versailles was signed. On the first anniversary of the armistice, President Woodrow Wilson declared that the armistice would be celebrated with two minutes of silence on the 11th hour of the 11th day in the 11th month. Today, this holiday is called Veterans Day. 11 is often associated with the end. Well, it's just before the end. Something that happens in the 11th hour, as the expression says, is just in the nick of time. It's just before the end. After the atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, a group of atomic scientists from Chicago came up with what they called the Doomsday Clock. It sounds pretty ominous, but it's this sort of theoretical clock which inches back and forth within the 11th hour to midnight as a symbolic representation of the likelihood for some man-made global catastrophe. When it was first released in 1947, it was set to seven minutes till midnight. The furthest it has ever been from midnight was 17 minutes in 1991, and the closest it has ever been is actually right now, at 90 seconds till midnight. To be clear, the doomsday clock doesn't really mean a whole lot. The group of scientists who set the time don't have any secret window into the future, but it does illustrate the general sentiment that the end is at hand. We are in the 11th hour. I don't say this to alarm you. It's nothing new, as I always say. We have been in the 11th hour long before 1947. In fact, we have been in the end times ever since Jesus ascended into heaven and promised that he would come again. The church in Thessaloniki, to whom Paul wrote his letter, expected for Jesus to return soon, within their own lifetimes. Their congregation was under extreme persecution, and several of them had been martyred for their faith. 
And so there was this question going around about what would happen to those who had died when Jesus does return. A lot of the Christians there were worried that if Jesus were to return, those who had already died would miss out. They hadn't endured to the end. They had missed the train. They thought that those who were asleep, that is, those who were dead, would be left behind. It's not exactly the same, but it's pretty similar to the concern that many Christians have today about the rapture. They, and we both recognize, and correctly so, that we are living in the end times, in the 11th hour. Life in this fallen world is the great tribulation, and these are indeed the last days. And so it is always our expectation that Christ is coming soon. However, with that, there is often much confusion. We start to wonder about the details. We want to know more. Much like the Christians in Thessaloniki, we want to know what it will be like when Jesus returns. How is it going to happen exactly? Give me some details. We often imagine a scenario resembling those left-behind novels where the faithful are raptured and taken up into heaven while earth is given over to Satan for seven years. Spoiler alert, that's not how it works. That's not a biblically accurate understanding, and it's not actually, and it's actually a relatively new interpretation historically. Either way, bad teaching about the end times can have a way of robbing us of our hope. Let me tell you a quick story. When I was about 12 years old, I stayed with my grandparents down in Florida for a month. One day, I had dinner at my uncle's house, and the discussion turned toward theology, as is often the case in my family. Now, that uncle and his family are wonderful Christian people, but I'm sorry to say they are no longer Lutheran. They're Pentecostals and hold to a premillennial dispensationalism, like you would read of in the uh, Left Behind series. At the dinner table, we were talking about the end times, and I was learning a whole lot about the mark of the beast being a microchip implanted, and the Antichrist, and the rapture, and monsters, and beasts, and all these other things, and frankly, I was starting to feel a little anxious about it. I was being misinformed, and that robbed me of hope. It was troubling to me. That night, as I lay in bed, apocalyptic scenes filled my head. War, famine, bloodshed, terrifying beasts coming out of the sea, inescapable terror all around. The devil and had his way with the world. Would I be damned if I couldn't avoid this microchip implant? What if no one warned me and I received the mark of the beast without knowing? Could I be left behind? This was all new information to me, or I should say misinformation. And I began sobbing as I lay in bed and prayed earnestly that God would spare me from that fate. Evidently, I was crying loudly enough that my grandpa heard me and came to check on me. He sat down next to me and asked what was wrong. So I told him, and he just gently assured me not to worry. He pointed me to God's promises that he would protect his people and that the devil could not harm me. I'm a baptized child of God. I honestly don't remember exactly what he said, but I felt better. 
I think he gave me a hug. My grandpa really had a pastor's heart. St. Paul had a pastor's heart. He didn't want the Christians in Thessalonica to be misinformed about those who were asleep. He strove to correct their theological misconceptions because he didn't want them to grieve as those who have no hope. Whatever my grandpa said to me, I was encouraged to trust in Christ, to trust that Jesus would make me ready. He had won for me salvation. And no one, no power or depth or principality or the devil or man or anything could take that from me. Likewise, St. Paul, Paul encouraged the Thessalonians, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That's the bottom line. Christ has been raised from the dead, and we who have died with Christ will also be raised with him. That fact alone ought to give us peace and comfort in the face of persecution and death and evil in these last days. Paul cleared up misunderstandings that those who have died before Jesus comes again will somehow be left behind. But in this verse, he also clears up present concerns that we who are still living at his return will be left behind. He writes, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left at the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, that is to say, those who are alive when Jesus returns will not cut in line. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven on the clouds in glory, just as they saw him ascend, so we will see him descend. With a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will be raised first. This is the resurrection of the body. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We are meant to be encouraged in these last days. Paul's goal was to encourage these faithful Christians who were afraid and hurting and grieving at the loss of their loved ones his entire point was to say that when Jesus comes again, those who have already died and those who are still alive will both be with the Lord forever on the clouds in glory. There is one judgment, one return. There aren't any elaborate dispensations and stages. He makes no mention of secret returns or secret raptures. But a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, the blast of the trumpet. You can't miss it. It will be clear when he comes. The eleventh hour can sometimes fill us with a sense of dread, but that dread is based on a pretty serious misconception orchestrated by the devil to make us grieve as those who have no hope. Again, remember that on the eleventh hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month, all was quiet on the Western Front. And the eleventh hour, the war was over. The victory was won. This was good news. The eleventh hour should have been a time of rejoicing. How is it that a moment of triumph and a time of peace has been twisted into a time of fear and anxiety? 
Christ has been raised from the dead. The victory is won, and through him, God will bring us together with him, with those who have fought the good fight and now rest from their labors. Veterans Day is a good reminder that the war was already over in the 11th hour. Although the war didn't officially end until about a year later, and there were still battles going on in other places, the armistice effectively marked the beginning of the end. Satan already stands defeated. Even now, the victory is won, though there is still time on the clock. Whether it's 90 seconds or an hour till midnight, I do not know. But I do know that a new day is coming. With a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, the Lord himself will descend on the clouds, and he will raise up both the living and the dead who trust in him to be with him forever. And so the fact remains. This is the 11th hour, and that's good news. Peace has been won through the blood of the Lamb, and the Lord himself will be here any minute to take us to himself. So what do we do now? Do we sit on our hands as we wait out the clock? No. Do we grieve as those who have no hope? Certainly not. Or do we spread the good news? Yes, we live as those who do have hope, who believe that Jesus died and rose again. In this time we have left, we spread the good news of our victory to the ends of the earth, Resist the devil and all his lies, which would lead us to live as though Christ had not overcome the world. On this eleventh hour, be of good cheer and encourage one another with these words. Christ has been raised from the dead, and he will raise you and all the faithful to be with him forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this show. If you would like to support our ministry here at Holy Cross in Onaway, you can share this podcast and give us a five-star rating. If you would like to make a financial gift, please make checks payable to Holy Cross Lutheran Church and mail it to us at 3786 Glacier Road, Onaway, Michigan. That's G-L-A-S-I-E-R Road, Onaway, Michigan, 49765. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.